Al Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'afiru wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdihi illa falamudillalah wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliya murshida. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah Taala. We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah Taala guides there is no misguidance for him and he whom Allah Taala leads astray there is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah Taala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri. This is, I believe, lesson 53. Uh, I, anyone can correct me? 53. And today, inshallah, we are taking hadith 33. And we begin with the Arabic. And Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma. And the Nabiya, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, aqal, Law yu'ta al-nasu bidawahum laddaa rijalun amwala qawmin wa dima'ahum. Walakin, al-bayyinatu ala al-mudda'i واليمين على من أنكر حديث حسن رواه البيهقي وغيره هكذا وبعضه في الصحيحين إمام نووي رحمه الله states the 33rd hadith is related by Ibn Abbas may Allah سبحانه وتعالى be pleased with him and his father who said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said were people to be given according to their claims People would claim the wealth and blood of others, but the burden of proof is upon the claimant and the taking of an oath is upon the one who denies the allegation. Uh, a hadith that is sound, narrated by Al-Bayhaqi in his Sunan and others in this manner. And parts of it is in the two Sahihs, Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Now, Imam Nawi rahimahullah states, that parts of it are found in Bukhari and Muslim. In the Sahihain, when we find it, it says, لَوْ يُعْطَى النَّاسُ بِدَعْوَاهُمْ لَدَّعَى نَاسٌ دِمَاءَ رِجَالٍ وَأَمْوَالِهِمْ وَلَكِنْ أَلْيَمِينُ عَلَى الْمُدَّعَى عَلَيْهِ The difference between the two is in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, is that if everyone was given by their claim, then people would then claim the lives, the blood of others and their wealth. And this hadith that's found in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim, which is the most authentic hadith that we find, it says, and the oath is upon the one who denies. The oath is upon the one who's the defendant. So the difference between the two is the qawl wal-bayyinatu ala Al-Muddai That the proof is upon the one who is making the allegation and the claim However, this hadith in all of its wordings insha'Allah 
the one that is found in Al-Bayhaqi and other places, is sound. But the hadith, the asl of it, is found in Bukhari and Muslim, which means that it's authentic. But why did Imam Nawi rahimahullah bring us this one and not the one that is found in Bukhari and Muslim? Because this is more explicit. This is more clear of what is upon both sides. Upon who is what. And that is why even though, and he says that parts of it is found in the Sahihs of Muslim and Bukhari, which means it's more authentic, he's chosen this one for a specific reason. And that is because in this one, everything is explicit. Nothing is left wondering. So inshallah, this hadith is sound. But the asal of the hadith is authentic, found in Bukhari and Muslim. Now, this hadith, subhanallah, is a prime example of the complete nature of this religion. That this religion itself, that the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is complete. And it covers every aspect. Every part of life has been covered. It's not just your five prayers, it's not just the siyam, your fasting. Everything, even the manner that we resolve our disputes has been resolved for us and the manner that it's going to be taken in, the way forward is there in the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet And this hadith specifically is one of the most important hadiths that we have when dealing with conflicts and resolution in jurisprudence. When a judge is involved and two parties involved, this hadith here is one of the most important hadiths that we have. And this hadith, subhanAllah, is there, placed for the ummah as a way that the community is protected. It's protected in every way. And this covers, subhanAllah, from blood money, from when someone is killed, all the way to marital disputes and who stole my siwak. Something small. It covers everything. This hadith can be used for anything. Subhanallah. When it comes to conflicts between two parties. Now, this hadith, subhanallah, the main aim that it is trying to protect is given to us by Rasulullah He's telling us why. He says, لَوْ يُعْطَ النَّاسِ بِدَعْوَاهُمْ لَدَّعَ نَاسٌ دِمَاءَ رِجَالٍ وَأَمْوَالِهِمْ He says, if everyone was just going to be accepted on face value, whatever they say, that that person was killed by that guy, or that phone there, it's nice, it's got three cameras, that's mine. That's mine. What would happen? Everyone would just start making claims. Complete fawda. What would happen would be complete chaos. If everyone was just, خلاص, that jacket you're wearing, take it, it's mine. Right now. This is what the Prophet ﷺ is saying. That if everyone was going to be just given, not, he didn't say if everyone was going to be believed, or if everyone was going to be just. No, he said if everyone was going to be given upon their claims, then people, not everyone, but there would be people, fattanin, there's always going to be people. That would claim the blood of others and the wealth of others. It's gonna happen. What's the hal? The Prophet doesn't give يعني, anything, any issue, any problem except that he gives a solution. This is the problem. So we're gonna have people who are gonna claim the lives of others, the wealth of others, anything, they're just gonna make claims. What's the hal? What's the solution that the Prophet brings us? He says, 
that the burden of proof is upon the mudda'i. The burden of proof is with the person who brings the claim. The burden of proof is with the accuser. The burden of proof is with the plaintiff. The burden of proof is the one who's saying that my thing, my right, is in the hands of someone else right now. Yeah, if I say that jacket that that brother is wearing it looks awesome, is mine, I have to prove it. I have to bring evidence. That's what the hadith is saying. That the person who makes the claim upon him is the proof. Upon him is the burden of evidence. And the person who's defending, the defendant, is. He has to take an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has to take. He's not responsible for bringing evidence now. He's responsible for bringing an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what is bayina? Proof. What is it? Al-bayina to al-mudda'i. The bayina, the proof has to be established by the person who's accusing. What is it? Now there are two opinions. The first is a very old opinion and it has some weight is that it is only the proof is witnesses. Witnesses. That's the only proof that there is. Nothing else matters. You're going to have a paper, nothing. No. If you don't have evidences, witnesses who saw it, heard it, who witnessed the actual transaction, other than that, ma'as-salama, go. Nothing else counts. The second opinion, and this is the stronger opinion, Wallahu alam, and this is the opinion that was taken by Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, and many, many others before him, was that the bayina is a word that covers everything that makes the truth apparent. Anything, and he mentioned this in Ilam al-Muqqa'in, he says anything that makes the proof, the truth evident is proof. Anything that makes the truth apparent and evident is bayina, is proof. And this covers so many types of evidences and proofs. So many things. And I want to go through some examples, inshallah, which I made up. But I, I had some fun with it. Because last week we had some fun last, يعني, with some of the uh, evidences and some of the examples that we have. So let's take practical examples. خلاص. The essence of the hadith we've taken it. If everyone was going to say what they wanted to say, there'd be complete fold in the world, complete chaos. Everyone would be saying, that's mine, this is mine, that's his, this is theirs. That person's blood is mine, he, he owes me money. That... It'd be complete chaos, havoc in the world, right? And the solution is, proof has to be established. And if proof can't be established from one side, then an oath needs to be taken by the defendant. Now, it looks very simple, inshallah. We'll go through a few examples. The first example is Muhammad versus Ahmed. Muhammad versus Ahmed in the matter of 3 Belmore Road, Belmore. We took this yesterday, last week. 3 Belmore Road, Belmore is becoming notorious. I don't even know if that street even exists. But Muhammad versus Ahmed in the matter of 3 Belmore Road, Belmore. Muhammad says that 3 Belmore Road, Belmore is mine. Muhammad says this house, this land is mine. And Ahmad was safekeeping it for me. Scenario number one. Muhammad versus Ahmad. 
three Bamoroid Bamo, Muhammad is saying, it's mine. And he's saying that Ahmad was just supposed to take care of it for me. They go to the judge, and the judge is then presented this, and then the judge, before asking for proof, before asking proof from Muhammad that how do you own it, what's the deed, he says to Ahmad, Ahmad, is what Muhammad is saying true? Is three Balmarod his? And did he just give it to you in his safekeeping? Ahmad, MashaAllah, very good guy, fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and says, Yes, Shaykh, three Balmarod is for Muhammad, and I was safekeeping it. This is the keys, and then this is done. Now, over here, does the Shaykh need to say to Muhammad now, I want your evidence, where's the deed? Where, to describe the house to me Does he have to say to Ahmed Take an oath by Allah No A person's come with a claim And a person has done iqrar He's affirmed it He's confessed He's affirmed it So over here This subhanallah Is the first scenario And admission Is the greatest form of bayina The greatest evidence That a person can have Can find is when someone admits to it. There's no drama after it. Khalas, he admits to that yes, three Bomo Road was for Muhammad and Ahmad gives it back. So over here, no oath is needed, no proof is needed. One claim, one person then give, admits and khalas, the matter is resolved. One scenario. There's going to be many scenarios, but this is scenario number one. Scenario number two is in the case of Bilal and Dawood. <laughs> I had fun just thinking of the names. Bilal vs. Dawood. I was going to use my brother's names and then I thought, no, let's not do that. Bilal vs. Dawood. Bilal says that three Belmo Road Belmo is his and Dawood was just a caretaker. Same issue. The names were changed. Bilal vs. Dawood. Same issue, right? So the Sheikh asks Dawood. Dawood, Bilal is saying, that this house that you're staying, three Bomo Road, he's saying that you are only supposed to be its caretaker. And he actually owns the land. So he's asking Dawood, before any proof, before any oath, he's giving him a chance. And then Dawood says, no, not true. Nope. Not giving it up. So now, what do we need? We apply this hadith. Al-bayyinatu ala man? Al-Mudda'i The person who's making the claim So the Shaykh says to Bilal Bilal, you have made a claim You saying the three Bomo road Bomo Is yours Prove it to us He comes now With two witnesses Of the deed and the transaction And he purchased the house That's one And it's يعني, a day before Dawood's taken it up Mathalan or he comes and and not or sorry and then he comes also with the deed it's got his name on it and he comes up with on the day the court says that it hasn't been sold there's no pending transaction nothing's there and he's never sold it before it's been in his family for generations he describes the house to the judge even a secret door that was behind the cabinet everything about the house he knows it gives its wafts give everything and then over here, because he has the deed, and he's got witnesses for it, the sheikh says, the house is yours. 
He doesn't ask Dawood for an oath because he's come with the witnesses. He's come with witnesses. Okay? So over here, the bayina was established. So there's no need for the oath over here. With the bayina, with the yani, proof that he is presented, the house is his. The house is his. So this is the second scenario. Dawood, Dawood over here was squatting in the house and he was removed after that. And then Bilal comes back into the house and he has a celebration. Now, the judge orders then, this is يعني, established. The third type is the scenario of Isa versus Murtaza. It had to be Murtaza because it couldn't be Murtada because then, you know, it wouldn't be right. Murtaza. Right? <laughs> well, he liked that one. Isa says that Murtaza is staying in his house and that, Mur- that Isa is saying that Murtaza is staying in the house and Murtaza stole it. Isa is saying the same thing. Isa is saying that Murtaza stole my house. He stole it. He's taken my house. Sheikh asks Murtaza. He asks him. He says, is it true? Did you steal the house? He says, no. And then the Sheikh asks Isa for evidence. He says, I don't have any evidence. I just know that he stole my house. No evidence, no witnesses, no deed, nothing. So then the judge will then look at Murtaza and he's saying, Murtaza, take an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is your house and that you have not stolen it. And then Murtaza takes the oath. He takes the oath and the case is then dismissed. Isa, I mean, no, Isa is then just pushed away, go, khalas, it's done, you've lost this case. Now, what happens if we have a legitimate case and the bloke doesn't have proof for it? We have a legitimate case. Imagine over here, Murtaza was a liar. He took an oath, kathiban. <coughs> he took an oath while lying. I didn't care, I want a house. And what if Isa actually never had any proof, but it's actually his house? What happens then? Look at that big thing. It's not small. According to this hadith, the case is established. It doesn't change the ruling. Whether it's true or not, it's all about what is presented to the judge. And subhanallah, uh, there is a hadith that's found in both Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Man halafa ala yamini sabrin wa huwa فيها فاجر يقطع بها مال امرئ مسلم لقي الله يوم القيامة وهو عليه غضبان. The Prophet says, whoever swears an oath and he is treacherous in it and he is doing it to usurp the wealth or the يعني, rights of his brother unjustly, then he meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after being resurrected and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with him. If that wasn't enough, in Sahih Muslim, in another narration of the hadith, what's the punishment? On the authority of Abu Umama, radiallahu an, فَقَدْ أَوْجَبَ اللَّهُ لَهُ النَّارِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made 
the hellfire obligatory upon him for the one who takes an oath out of being just straight lying taking an oath whilst lying to take the rights of someone else the massive deal Allah that he has made obligatory upon him the hellfire and has forbidden upon him the paradise. You want a house? You want three Bilmo Road Bilmo? Take it. Take it. What do you get in response? If it wasn't yours and you took a, a false testimony by Allah as your witness, what happens? You are never going to smell Jannah according to this hadith. Forbidden upon you is paradise. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it obligatory upon you the hellfire. That's not enough. Now, someone then asked after hearing this hadith, one of the companions, someone asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَإِنْ كَانَ شَيْئًا يَسِيرًا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Someone asked the Prophet ﷺ, even if it was something small, a messenger of Allah, is this punishment going to happen to someone who takes an oath? Yani he wants to take an oath by Allah to take the wealth of something small from his brother. Not million dollar house, not three Bilmo Road Bilmo, which is a duplex. No. Imagine it actually is a duplex. No. He's asking, even if it's something small, will I have this same punishment? Will the punishment be the same? And the Prophet قال, he says, وَإِن كَانَ قَضِيبًا مِنْ أَرَاكٍ He says, even if it was a branch from the Arak tree, who knows what the Arak tree was used for? Miswak. He says, even if it was the amount of a miswak. You know how much a miswak goes for now? $2.50. $2.50 for a miswak. Even if it was for something, I know that, don't worry. For $2.50, even if it's for something as small and minute as that, فَقَدْ أَوْجَبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ النَّارِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَوْجَبَ لَهُ النَّارِ Upon him, obligatory is the hellfire. And subhanallah, this isn't a small thing. So one of the companions, actually, he was saying that this person has something of mine. And the Prophet ﷺ said, either you bring your witnesses or he's going to make an oath. And the companion said, he's just going to make an oath, he's a liar. يعني, anyone can make an oath. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to the similar, يعني, this hadith here, that this hadith was for that reason, that no one takes this taking an oath lightly. Then we see that this is supposed to be what occurs when judgment is going to take place The Prophet ﷺ in his sunnah Used to remind people that were around him Of the potential dangers that they were going to fall in When they were conflicting with one another In Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim The Prophet ﷺ said To people who were disputing with one another He said إِنَّكُمْ تَخْتَصِمُونَ إِلَيْهِ you indeed are coming quarreling with one another to me yani For me to establish a judgment to see who's right and who's wrong You're coming to me, arguing to me so that I can judge And perhaps one person is better at portraying his evidences than the other 
He's more eloquent in bringing his evidence than the other. فَمَنْ قَضَيْتُ لَهُ بِحَقِّ أَخِيهِ شَيْئًا 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 بِقَوْلِهِ And if I judged for a person for the right of his brother to that person by something that he has said and if I judge of for instance this is yours or you say it's mine if I judge this to be for you it's actually mine if I give someone else's right to someone else unjustly because of that which he has said فَإِنَّمَا أَقْطَعُ لَهُ قِطْعَةً مِنَ النَّارِ فَلَا يَأْخُذْهَا The Prophet ﷺ says if I give the right of someone unjustly to someone else right, because of what you've said the unjustness here isn't the Prophet ﷺ it's what the person is portraying right, because he's lying he says if Someone takes the right of someone else by what he says. The Prophet ﷺ says, "Then I am giving him a piece of the fire. I am giving him a piece of the fire to him. So don't take it. Nothing in this dunya is worth it. Nothing in this dunya is worth it. And Subhanallah, in this we see a few things. Judges can make mistakes." Because what's in front of him, that's all he has to rule by. Judges can make mistakes. And if he makes a mistake, it doesn't mean he's not a judge anymore. He still gets a reward, reward for him judging in a manner, if he does the correct steps. He goes and still receives a reward, if he's mistaken even. And if he is correct, he gets two rewards. As we know in the famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that if a judge makes a ruling and he is mistaken, he has an ajr. And if he is correct, he gets two, two rewards. That's the first issue. Judges can make mistakes. And it's upon the people present that they have to يعني, do the right thing. The second is that if someone does something and a judge rules in his favor unjustly for that person, he rules something in the favor of someone else and it's not supposed to be with him correctly, it doesn't make it halal for him. Just because... The judge says, that's yours, but it's not actually yours. It doesn't make it halal for you. It's still haram for you. And it's a piece of jahannam upon you. It's a piece of the hellfire upon you. It's not halal. Just because you got ruled in your favor, you got lucky. Does that mean that it's yours? No, it doesn't. And that's something that is very, very important. In Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma used to recite a verse and remind whoever was arguing in front of him especially there was one instance where two people were arguing and two women were arguing in a civil matter something that wasn't any money, not uh, blood money or anything like that but he was reminding them about this issue about taking oaths and lying for the sake of the dunya and he would recite a verse and it's Ali Imran verse 77 he used to recite <laughs> وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, indeed, those who trade Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's covenant, those who break Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rule, and their oaths, those who break their oaths, for a fleeting gain, for something small, for something that's going to disappear. And you're making an oath that is a lie. Buying the dunya for the expense of the akhirah. Selling your akhirah for this dunya by taking a false oath. What is it? What's the punishment? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He will not have a share in the hereafter. He doesn't have a share in the hereafter. He's going to come there and there's nothing for him. Except what? Allah will neither speak to him, nor look at him, nor purify them on the day of judgment. And they will suffer a painful punishment. That's how dangerous it is. So yes, there is a possibility that someone is going to take your rights. But you have to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of them. And know for a fact that if someone does that in this world and their right in this world is to take the rights of others, then upon him is the hellfire on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And know that the person who is in Yawm Al-Qiyamah, in the hellfire, will have a miserable life in this dunya. Guaranteed. The person who is going to be in Jahannam, it is impossible for him to have raha, true raha, in this dunya. It's impossible. How can it be possible that the person who's going to Jahannam is actually going to be living a life of bliss? Mustahil. It's impossible. He's going to have adab here. He's going to have adab in the grave. And he's going to have adab in the hereafter. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abbad, Hafidahullahu tabaraka wa ta'ala, one of the great muhaddithin of Medina. He says this hadith, it covers everything. Covers everything. And he says, this hadith, not just the things between people, it also covers between you and your Lord. So the one who claims to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, upon him is proof. He needs to prove his love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And subhanallah, yani, some people said that there was a verse in the Quran that was revealed upon a people who said that they loved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah challenged them. Allah gave them a test to see if you're saying you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then upon you is evidence now you have to test that love and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Say indeed if you truly love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then follow me, follow the Messenger of Allah, follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if you follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah will love you. Yuhbibkumullah. If you want to love Allah, truly love Allah, you have to follow the Messenger. And then Allah will love you and He will forgive you your sins. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah says, that this verse is a verse that is a test upon those who claim to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is a verse that if a person says 
they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they are not following the method of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his sunnah, then indeed they are liars. And they will not be upon the right way until they follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to allow us to unite with those who follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of judgment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to be with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in al-firdaus al-ala, in a gathering better than this. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us our shortcomings. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Barakallahu feekum. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio. The Voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah